welcome to Estradot Illusions. We are going to take a stop. We're going to take a ride to Westview. We're going to cover WandaVision. And in the spirit of WandaVision, Wanda brought her uh, long-lost brother back. We've brought a long-lost guest back who was with the show, uh, was part of our, a lot of our Game of Thrones coverage. Uh, if you listen to the uh if you're a newer listener who just listened to our skin of evil star trek next generation episode and went back and listened to our uh threshold episode then it may not have been so long ago that you heard her but we have alexander august is back with us alexander do you want to tell us a little about yourself well hi i'm first of all i'm so happy to be back thank you thank you thank you so much for having me i love this podcast um and uh, I, uh, as a very on brand, I am a podcast producer at Skybound Entertainment. Um, so I live and breathe audio, and I don't, but I don't get to like be on it much anymore. So um, I get to make a lot of it, which is really fun. Um, so we're busy kind of creating an audio department for that company. But I miss, I miss like talking to people about Star Trek and television and stuff. And that's just weirdly not a part of my job description. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's great to have you back. And uh, WandaVision, boy, I, you know, the show ended on Friday. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday. It'll be up uh, on Tuesday. And uh, it, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about how uh, it's kind of a reminder of the beauty of weekly television, kind of appointment viewing, because you get to watch an episode, you get in an increment, and then you get to kind of like soak in it for a whole nother week until another episode comes. And uh, that's, you know, that's just kind of, I'm old fashioned with my love of TV, but uh, that's just been kind of the, the treat of getting to experience the series. I agree. And in, in some, I, I agree in the sense that I can definitely see a difference between binging something and how long it stays with you and watching something week to week and how long it stays with you. And uh, something that's actually helped me a lot in my career is the ability to manifest points of view on content, like really, like really distinctive ones and really kind of uh, really specific ones. And that is difficult to do when you watch five episodes of something at once, um, as enjoyable as a binge is. Uh, so, and then at the same time, though, I found myself like very annoyed around Tuesday of the following week being like, I want water vision right now. And kind of how I used to feel uh, when Lost was on. Because every single episode of Lost was an aggressive cliffhanger and you had to wait until the following week to the point where like, I think I just ducked out after season two because I was bugged by it. So it's, it's a balance, but I'm with you on the, um, on this, on this release schedule, allowing, us to seep into sink into the subtext a little bit more and considering i think this is the first piece of marvel property that had subtext period it was delightful well it's also the first uh piece of of uh mcu content uh since uh spider-man far well i mean you know the it, whether you want to count like uh hellstrom or uh season two mm. of cloak and dagger which was really bad uh so, <laughs> It's this is the first of uh, Marvel Studios, you know, rest in peace, Marvel Television, and they had kind of a rift of uh, p internal power struggles and all of that. But this is kicking off Phase Four. It wasn't supposed to. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was uh, supposed to be the first TV show, but I mean, this thing happened called the coronavirus, uh, and uh, they went with the show that had the sitcom format, which. <laughs> So many, so many people have called WandaVision subversive. And like by definition, if you look up what sub subversive means, yes, in terms of the broader MCU, it is subversive. However, 
nostalgia is is Disney's brand. They everything the live action movies they love 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 nostalgia. So like as subversive as it is, it's I mean maybe it's like subversive within subversive that they're doing like the most predictable thing that's edgy possible, which is going doing a Dick Van Dyke homage in a Marvel television show. I don't know. It it's it's. It, Maybe maybe I just think that subversive is a word that people use too much, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird, and that's great. I mean, I, I that's not a knock against the show. I think it did all of that really really well, and I love that people were like really annoyed that that you have uh, Wanda and Vision doing sitcom stuff because I, I I mean I personally I liked the early episodes a lot. I thought it was fucking great. Like this is my favorite piece of MCU content, and I I routinely rewatch Endgame. So, and I I enjoy the MCU t- thoroughly. But this was just in terms of sheer execution. Um, I'm kind of I'm I'm a little bit sort of team. I don't know, not team, but like I see where Martin Scorsese was coming from when he sort of pointed the finger at the MCU and was like, "Hi, yeah. this isn't really like it's like this isn't really like art." And granted, like, sit down, Martin, nobody, that's the MCU and your movies could exist side by side. It is fine. But the point he was trying to make is that, you know, like, the MCU is filled with a lot of plot driven movies. It's trying to establish and tell stories. And there's not much more beyond the stories than what they than what you see on screen and what's written in the script. And so that sort of they're because they're myths and they're supposed to be these large scale, fun um, popcorn movies. And they're perfect at that. And what WandaVision did was kind of turn that on its side and and just basically turn it around and make like make prestige television out of these movies. And the fact that they managed to execute so many sitcoms tropes as well as they did, like not only was it sort of this really interesting narrative structure that completely captured people because it was mysterious and unpredictable, but it was a really fucking good episode of the Dick Van Dyke show, like period. The jokes were of the time and very funny. Same thing with the Bewitched, par- with the what was more or less the Bewitched parody, and then the same thing with you know as it moved forward to like the seventies and the Brady Bunch and so on and so forth, and then for it to just evolve into it was I don't it was meta upon meta upon meta upon meta, and every part of that series was beautifully executed. I was kind of astonished by it. Yeah, and I lo- I loved early on seeing uh, Deborah Jo Rupp who uh, yes. That '70s show, Kitty Foreman. Oh uh, I just, I, I was just waiting for her to be like red. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it was. And I, I love That's such a great love, laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I love uh, Paul Bettany. I've had a crush on him for the longest time. I, I've same. had a crush on him since I saw him naked in a night cell. Like I assume most people <laughs> did. Um, it's yep. to, he, he played Jeffrey Chaucer. I mean, that's pretty, yep. Un- 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 unbelievable and for an uh, English major in college like yes thank you very on brand for me exactly my type please 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 shout poetry and then say god I'm good and I yep I, I, I can concur as an English major and also <laughs> the possessor of a very very valuable uh, master's degree in English literature and comparative <laughs> literature which I've done precisely nothing with <laughs> you were, I, you've started a podcast it's true, yeah, and uh, well, we could do some close readings of uh, s- some of the the episodes. I also just like, like you know, as as a as a regular comic book reader, as somebody who reads typically three or four comic books a day, I tend to block out the four o'clock block of of my day and go read outside. Uh, it keeps me sane. Uh, I love kind of the hangout aspect of a lot of these books, like particularly the X Men, because they're always kind of up in each other's business. But um, 
you know, the Marvel movies, they're fun. They're giant. I mean, part of what they're great is their spectacles or big blockbusters. There's not a lot of time. Like, I've been thinking a lot about how in uh, they build that giant campus at the end of Ultron. And then we see it a little bit in Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man, when uh, he has a little thing with the the Falcon. And then, mm-hmm. like, they're fighting in, in Civil War. And like it, they go back to it in Infinity, Infinity War briefly. It gets blown up in Endgame. But they built that giant facility, and they spend, like, basically no time in it. So I just, like, I would really, really like to just watch these characters hang out a lot and to get to hang out with Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. It was just a lot of fun. You didn't, like, so many people did so much fan theorizing about this, and I I was just kind of, like, laying back and soaking it in and not thinking if every single character was uh, Mephisto or Mephisto. (laughs) I don't know how you pronounce his name. Mephisto. Mephisto sounds good. Mapaisto, maybe. Uh, Yeah, I, I found. I think one of the other things that I, um, that I found really, uh, kind of grabbed me with it was just yeah, like that beyond the plot, there was just stuff lurking beneath the surface that I was curious about. Like I wanted to understand their relationship. I wanted to see what was what was driving this entire thing, and it was just entertaining on every single level, both superficially and very. And very, whatever the opposite of superficial is, I don't remember. I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, especially with Paul Bettany's vision. Uh, he, he's such a, like a rich character, and I feel like in a lot of ways, because of just how powerful he was, they. I mean, he hasn't. Well, his the big thing he does in Civil War is uh, he shoots a uh, poor war machine, James Rhodes, out of the sky. But uh, and then like Infinity War, he does practically nothing. But he's <laughs> also like. Die. Yeah, and he well, he's like this great. It's kind of bookending his arc with uh, at the the end of Ultron when he's talking about like the human condition. He's like, well, what do I know? I was just born yesterday, literally. And then he's got his uh, great monologue uh, opposite himself. The great the great hidden cameo was also Paul Bettany uh, in in the finale. You're kind of reminded that like the vision is supposed to be this like character of of great intellectual depth. He he explores humanity in a way that a lot of the at least a lot of the Avengers tend not to. Yeah. Oh, like I guess that's a little bit what um I've always likened him to who is it in Watchmen? Um the the blue Spider-Man, ca- Yeah, Spider-Man. I he yeah, he kind of reminds me of do- of like a far less cynical version of Dr. Manhattan. Um, and I guess that honestly, like you kind of you've hit on my one sort of raised eyebrow about this series, which I guess it sort of explains itself, which is just that um, a vision goes from like superhuman uh, computer with sort of a, a just an, an incomprehensible inc- intellect uh, or incalculable in- intellect to like Wanda's boyfriend, Um which is a it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful story and I love that couple for many many reasons but that always that always kind of raised my eyebrow I don't know if that's just like the cynic in me or just the like um uh the sort of applying like um applying the desire for grounding and realism maybe a little bit too much for a comic book movie or series but uh I always wondered about that that said I love the scene when she's when she's grieving and he kind of just comes and sits next to her and um what is grief re- but love persevering or something oh, like that? yeah i mean it's yeah. true no, no what mean, is grief but love persevering yeah if not love well, if not love persevering and it it hits like 
you know, we get we get very attached to these characters, and you know, you you. I mean, for all the for that episode, in a lot of ways, I mean, you could kind of tell it. It, it kind of followed a lot of uh, a lot of pre- prestige dramas have like they kind of wrap up a lot of the sort of loose ends in the penultimate episode, and then like with with the this series finale. I mean, I think a lot of people have rightfully complained that for a show that. Uh, twi- twisted expectations pretty much at every turn to then have a finale that's like back to the sort of by the books Marvel laser blasting at each other. And uh, to be fair, like definitely the TV version of that, as cool as it was, I was like, oh yeah, even even Disney cuts those TV budgets from the film budgets. This definitely, definitely is taking place on some kind of soundstage. Yeah, and... Well, not that I mean, it, not that we didn't think it wasn't, but yeah, definitely you could see you could see the decrease in production value from cinema to TV in that fight. It's still cool though. I I don't know I don't know this for sure. I know that a lot of the show was filmed in Atlanta and then they moved. I think a lot of those would have been filmed on a Warner Brothers lot. I looked that up somewhere because I was trying to figure out which uh, which soundstage it was at. I, th- I think they were using a Warner Brothers lot because there was there was a character who had been in a show that was a Growing Pain spinoff two of us or something that had filmed on the exact same lot. And I'm blanking on the name, but there was somebody in the cast who was a child actor. You could really tell that it was filmed on a studio lot. And that kind of added to just the sort of the sitcom vibe of it. Um, And the fact that the house is always the same and the streets always the same. And it's clearly like you just sort of, there's that suspension of disbelief. We're all familiar with. If you grew up watching like any sitcom, from the 80s and 90s where it was always the exterior of a house that you knew they were definitely not shooting in <laughs> but it did kind of i can i can see how the very how the last confrontation would sort of be like a little bit anticlimactic for a series that had been so well executed by by not um so well executed in in its um in its restraint like the show didn't really need to rest on many effects or anything like that. It kind of existed in sort of the production value that would be associated with the shows that it was modeling itself after. But then when it kind of tries to jump and sort of get back into 2021, then all of a sudden you start comparing it to like this battle between Agatha and Scarlet, Agatha and Wanda. The last time we've seen a battle like that was literally Endgame, and just putting putting those two next to one another was difficult what i think undermined the impact of that confrontation yeah and i mean you could definitely tell that this is a, a bigger budget than uh runaways or i don't know. i mean daredevil had a lot of good fight scenes but um i feel like like the, the well, but even the marvel tv shows like really also made very good use of their budgets like sarah uh, jessica jones was really good at that i thought daredevil was also really good at that um this yeah. I, f- I feel like wandavision reached too close to the sun jessica jones filmed at rye playland which is near my hometown in uh well rye playland was in new york but uh, i grew up in connecticut just 20 minutes away so that was that was cool um and I feel like WandaVision did a really good job of, uh, you know, you have the the soundstage and all of the sitcom stuff, and then the way that they handled a lot of the the sword sets looked great. The set where where Vision's uh, corpse was held, I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. <laughs> he, he looks I was the the image of his like blue rod, and now that now now it was like, reanimated to the sort of blank white Vision. That, yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of shocking that uh, I I was kind of 
I didn't really know what to expect in terms of I, I I thought that Vision would probably be resurrected, but I didn't know the fact that Wanda's been announced for the Doctor Strange two kind of made that situation kind of up in the air. So I mean that yeah. that's that that's kind of another thing that the show had to balance. Like it wasn't supposed to be the thing that's kicking off phase four of the MCU, and then at the same time. You're, you're dealing with an audience that really wants answers in terms of where do we stand on the status quo? And then they're, you know, doing, you know, there's a laugh track and they're doing comedy instead. And I think that's probably, that's just kind of unfair to place on the show. Yeah. I don't have time for anybody who is just like, I'm sorry, this isn't what I expected from phase four. Shut up. Jesus Christ. Were you expecting anything from phase one, two, or three? No, you weren't. It's unprecedented entertainment. Just shut up, eat your popcorn, and enjoy it. My goodness. I wish I could have popcorn with this, but because of all the spoilers, we started watching it basically at like seven in the morning on Fridays. Which was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I would have liked to have watched like a comfortable nine, but uh, my partner's a lawyer. Tara has to has to do uh, actual work, so we had to uh, watch it early. Uh. But I mean, that was kind of also the fun of getting up and 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 doing all of that, and then getting to look around. And uh, I mean, honestly, there were. Fans are also kind of mad about the state of, I, you know, they. This is kind of a problem of the show's own making in terms of teasing giant crossovers. I think the people who thought it Mephisto, Mephisto, I don't know, Manifesto, uh, or the people who kind of thought that we were going to see, you know, Professor X or all of that. Well, you know, I mean, to be fair, the Evan Peters uh, thing did not do a good job of managing expectations regarding the X Men. No, and you they know what? Brought that I, one on themselves. Which was cool well, as fuck, though. I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago because I remembered uh, when when oh, Dark yeah. Phoenix came out, a a film that I gave a good review to, and I, I, I having rewatched uh, all of those X Men fairly recently, Dark Phoenix is is no worse than Apocalypse, which is also pretty stupid. Um, I think it's it's a decent movie, but um, you interviewed Evan Peters ahead of Dark Phoenix at WonderCon. What is it? What would that have been? 2018, 2019? uh would have been 20 i think 2019 because i that would have been the spring that was before i was working uh yeah before so i was that, working at skybound that, so that would have been so evan peters would be doing press for dark phoenix which wouldn't have come out but everybody obviously knew that disney had bought fox at that point that there wasn't gonna that that was kind of uh a premature ending to the x uh the the fox version of the x-men everything was up in the air you know are we gonna see these people again we obviously we obviously knew that Quicksilver had died in the MCU, making like an appearance by Evan Peters. Like died, died. Like did not. Like there's no, there ain't no re, there ain't no reanimating Quicksilver. No, Aaron, Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson. Uh, he, I don't care. Uh, he can <laughs> he can uh, run super speed, but can get killed very easily by James Spader Ultron. So that's that's the way that goes. But when you interviewed Evan Peters, did you get like an idea that that anything like this was in the cards? Or I mean, he he seems it's not like he's slipped on stuff, but he seems like kind of a funny guy. <laughs> um, no, I didn't get that. Uh, well. He would never have said anything. It's difficult. I, f I feel like I got a vibe that something was up. Um, but I am probably the worst person to get that vibe because I 
had no like I just didn't really I didn't really have my finger on the pulse of the possibilities of that um I did it was also it's very very clear though that everybody was kind of I'm not surprised though because everybody was itching for this kid to be for this kid for this Quicksilver to somehow replace the treatment that he got um the treatment that he got uh in um in Ultron yeah and so it was just an Ultron yeah. 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 And so I think a lot of people it's it's just he's just sort of a I feel like he was just kind of a casualty of the fact that they didn't like, you know, Fox owned X-Men when the MCU was being built. And so as much as a wonderful, faithful like adaptation of these comics as it is and how how marvelous it was. <laughs> Unintended fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like as much as they're. Um, yeah, like I think as as much as that treatment, as much as everybody was excited about like the MCU, I would imagine bringing these comics to life in such an unprecedented way. Like I can like they there's a big gap as I understand it without the X Men presence, and so I know that everybody was itching for him to come aboard. And I have a sneaking I would not be surprised if talks had not already started at that point. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine uh, Patrick Stewart has talked about how he went in and talked. Kevin Feige wanted him to come on. And I mean, it's hard to take any of the, you know, you got to take all of this with a grain of salt because you have to like think that some of this stuff is approved. Although if he's not signed, it's not. But um, uh, there was talk about bringing Professor X and he wasn't necessarily sure he wanted to because of Logan. Uh, Evan Peters' Quicksilver kind of stands out as, as a really great, uh, choice for for a continuation, not only because he got the shaft in Ultron, but also because he kind of got the shaft in the Fox uh, movies too. He has a great scene in Days of Future Past where time in a, uh, time in a bottle. Yeah, and then he's got the <laughs> sweet dreams montage, saving everybody when the mansion was blowing up in Apocalypse. He's arguably he's- the most watchable character in that movie. Like. <laughs> Yeah, but he he was never really in he was never really a main part of any th- of those three narratives. Like he wasn't Dark Phoenix, no. and 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 that was right a wasted for- opportunity because he's fully Magneto's son. Yeah, and they were hinting at that, and uh, I mean, if God, if they made a gay movie with Michael Fassbender and Paul Bettany, I would probably <laughs> die. I would probably die, and I, I could totally see them both doing that. Uh, well, Paul oh, Bettany man. was just in was in Uncle Frank, which came out on Amazon. And we had the composer of that like a full eight months before the thing came out. And people have been downloading that one a lot too. So I don't have no idea why. Uh, that's, that's good. Fun. It's entertainment. People yeah. enjoy it. Well, it's a good movie. But um, yeah, it's it's with Quicksilver. It's very, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, we're having Doctor Strange is called the Multiverse of Madness. It's like the worst kept secret in the world that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are almost certainly appearing in the news. People will be angry. Yeah. So they're doing, they have two movies set up about the multiverse. You bring Evan Peters Quicksilver in and then you make a Ralph, you make a dick joke. He's, he's not Quicksilver. He's Ralph Boner. Like what, (laughs) what the the hell is this? I, that was a whole like, this kind of gets to, I think, what was the what was my what was my uh, main conflict with this series, just in terms of what I wanted from it and um, what should have happened. And it kind of it's it's I sort of compare it to like the Carrie Mister Big uh, argument in Sex and the City, whereas like it makes for a better feminist treatise for that series to end like the book ended, which is. Uh, Mr. Big is happily married and Carrie Bradshaw is happily single because it's about kind of it's the whole like 
the initial premise of that is that like, yeah, you can want and chase after these men all you want. But really, like at this point, women have plenty of fun and wonderful lives beyond whether or not they're attached to a man. And so that's what we should have talked about. At the same time, like I really wanted to see Mr. Big and Carrie get the fuck together because it had been seven seasons or six seasons and we were invested and they had great chemistry and you just kind of you want to see there's you know you follow your heart you follow your head whereas um kind of similarly uh i've related to the show's flawless depiction of grief in many many ways and i thought for this show to kind of be as mathematically light tight and to be as a proper treatment of grief as it kind of sets out to be or sort of ostensibly is um that vision did need to die and that family needed to go away because she created them as a coping mechanism. And the show in and of itself is a metaphor for grief and how you deal and how you cope and how destructive it can be and how difficult it can be and how you aren't necessarily in control of whether or not you hurt other people, even if you don't want to, because it can be so all encompassing. And at the same time, I think just relating to that level of sadness and knowing how much, how, um, when I've left someone very suddenly, how, like, just how much you want that person back and how, how much it drives you and how elemental it is and how there's just, when she says, when she says to Vision, like, the only thing that's going to make me feel better is seeing him again is, like, that's it. That's, that's where you are. It's where your brain is. And there's no solution to that problem other than bringing that person back. But the thing about death is they don't come back ever. And I've, there was something about, I could not decide. I was like, I don't know that. I don't know what I want to see more. If it's if I want to see Vision dissipate and her kind of go and start to live her life and rebuild, or if because Wanda has admittedly had a very difficult couple of years, if like she, they just found a way to like keep him, and so she could be like, okay, well, my grief manifested a new life, so that works out. And this is a this is not a documentary, so it was. Um, oh yeah, that was tough. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with so much of that, and I I've been kind of internally uh, parsing that with the fact, like, okay, if you do a fake off with Quicksilver, it's not, you know, it, this isn't confirmation of the multiverse, and then you know the next thing you do is confirmation of the multiverse. Is that empty with the children? You know, mm-hmm. they're not they're not gonna stay. Uh, if they're not gonna stay. I know they've been setting up Young Avengers, and and Scarlet Witch is uh, one of one of her sons. Wiccan is a Young Avenger, and I know that Kate Bishop's going to appear in the Hawkeye series. America Chavez is going to appear in uh, Doctor Strange two. So like, if if and Wiccan, I guess, doesn't need to be a part of that. If, if they're doing the Ms. Marvel as a champion, not a Young Avenger, but it, it's kind of easy to see them kind of mixing more of the junior teams, like the champions, Young Avengers, or I guess they're probably not going to do the Runaways, but uh, they have a lot of they have. A, Marvel has a lot of young people teams, but yeah, uh, like with Wiccan, I, I I could see Wiccan like being a part of that. Or uh, Vision also has children who are I think Runaways and Young Avengers. I, that that I'm blanking. That's boy, Vision uh, and Wanda get around. Well, they just, yeah they they just do creating and, all these creating all these kids. Well, I mean, you can make a pretty good team with those with Ms. Marvel, uh, America, uh, Chavez. Uh, uh, them and then uh, if you throw in, uh, I would really like to see X twenty three again uh, from Logan. That would be really cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one. It, it's called Wandavision, but it's Wanda's story. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the show really did its best work when it was 
as great as Vision is as a character, I love as a child. I, Vision and Quicksilver were really two of my favorites because they they were they were the more really mature of the Avengers, at least of the male ones. You know, Thor, Bravado, Tony Stark's a douchebag, and yeah. Steve Rogers is too idealistic. Um, the show did Steve Rogers best. really is a lot. Like, calm down, dork. <laughs> yeah i mean he, he's like the worst traits of batman or i guess he's not really that much like batman he's but... a boring batman like bless yeah. him i do love steve rogers and i'm very glad that he exists america's ass um <laughs> his uh his his tush with the running joke in endgame but uh <laughs> wanda you know wanda did really well um in in this like elizabeth olsen just absolutely killed it, uh, especially oh, the yeah. the one that was the Modern Family spoof, uh, and she was oh, yeah. ch- channeling her inner Claire Dunphy. Uh, and I mean, just just to be able to, they took something as as unbelievably lame as her manifesting her grief through. They showed Sokovia, like of all the um, shows that she watched, and those like appeared to be DVD sets, even though she would have been uh, in her twenties, probably in like the late two thousands. So, I, I don't, I don't know how that works. <laughs> maybe that, maybe, maybe that's the multiverse. <laughs> those did about? appear to be DVD sets. I was looking at that, like what? what those don't look like videotapes. Remember VHS I couldn't- tapes? Oh yes, I still own several. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and the you Cutting have the Edge. Ti- you have Thank the you very Titanic much. One that's the two. Fuck that! Pieces. Fuck that! Fuck that movie! I, I was not. Second, I was not a Titanic I, fan. <laughs> I think the second tape of that, the boat's already sinking. I don't remember. I, I, I do I, remember I, the second act of that movie being just like ludicrously long. I and love... or like or like the second movie, like the second part of it, just being um or the second tape. The second half of it, just like, oh, you thought you thought it was about R- Jack and Rose. No, it's about watching the ship sink for forty five minutes. Enjoy, which was kind of cool. When I came out as trans, one of my Australia friends said, "Yeah, and now it all makes sense. You dragged us all to see Titanic in three D." And I was like, "Damn straight, bitch." Uh, <laughs> and it, not 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 to get too off topic. I mean, they could have, you know, maybe maybe a future one division they'll do, uh, you know, James Cameron movies. Uh, oh, I'd be down yeah. with that. And just have have people make way better decisions in all of those movies. Yeah, and with with, I guess like the the, it was kind of weird with Wandavision to like think like oh what what sitcom era are we getting like this week? I mean the eighties was fun, uh, the nineties like when they were doing what was it? I think it was Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, that was, yeah, that was very cool. I, yeah, that was a really interesting choice because I remember I remember Malcolm in the Middle not being as I mean definitely I don't know that I would consider Malcolm in the Middle as groundbreaking as this show kind of gave it credit for, which I thought which right. I thought made it a really interting choice because it was of '90s sitcoms like I was much happier that they chose Malcolm than Friend. Well, I guess they needed a family sitcom, but like. I, I kind of was brought up watching everything on either ABC or NBC. And so Fox, I remember being sort of a little bit a little bit subversive. And it was kind of neat to see them pick a somewhat more obscure show uh, to yeah. parody rather than just kind of going with something that would have been potentially more mainstream memorable at the time. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I I I was really for the '80s one. Uh, I guess they kind of did a little oh, bit the- of Full House. 
But uh, I, w- I was really hoping for uh, Growing Pains. And actually, be- right before the pandemic, well, I guess this would have been January, but at, at Long Beach Comic Expo, Jeremy Miller, who played, uh, I think, Ben Seaver on Growing Pains, was there. And I idolized that show growing up. I didn't I didn't, I didn't do the photograph uh, uh, package with him, but we, d- we chatted for a while. I, I explained to him that that was the first show that that, that uh, uh, I understood what what first run, what uh, not first run but syndication meant because I as a kid not not understanding that reruns were reruns and thinking that that episode those shows were airing right then that was really cool I mean sitcoms as we get older I guess like the value of sitcoms like when we had Douglas Goldstein on a couple weeks ago and we were talking about how like in the age of the DVR in the age of streaming. We're not forced to watch those reruns of sitcoms over and over and over because we have a lot of other things to watch. And yet, in this, like, uh, we've been watching a lot of uh, long time listeners of the show know that Frasier is one of my favorites, but uh, watch that. Ew. A lot. Frasier no, also, Frasier. like, stands. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fist pumping you. <laughs> Frasier stands up <laughs> upon rewatch. I had no idea how I rewatched it. I want to say, like, maybe a year ago because I, I will watch any. I, I've no, yes, I am a large Frasier fan, but it's been a minute since I actually sat down to try and rewatch it, and it is insane to me how incredibly ahead of its time it was. Like there is not a like oh, yeah. the whole the whole Niles Daphne relationship. Like I kind of looked at that when I started rewatching it. And I was like, oh shit, I wonder if I was like, this is kind of gross. Like she works for him. I this feels really potentially problematic. Oh, this stinks. But then the more you watch it, at no point, at no point does that show in any way vic- like have Niles treat Daphne in a way that makes him utilize his power um, in an inappropriate way. He keeps his feelings to himself like as best he can, except for the sake of comedy. He respects her boundaries. He never at any point tries to entrap her based on her job in any like real way. Like it, they executed that kind of funny, unrequited, un- unknown crush in a workplace in a way that was complete, that remains unproblematic. And it's, that just kind of astonishes me, especially given just how masculine that show is. <laughs> like, I don't think there is. Yeah. Anyway, that. Well, it's funny you bring up like the power dynamics and all of that. There's with with WandaVision, it's uh, you know kind of an open question. Like, like she, uh, this is a very powerful show about grief, and yet it's also one that shows a very, very, very powerful reality-bending sorceress holding an entire town hostage because her robotic vibrator died. Robotic vi- robotic boyfriend. <laughs> robotic vibrator. Don't don't. We talked about we talked about we talked about how, da- how data was a robotic vibrator. Yeah, like a, a couple. Of data was ago. fully functional. <laughs> <laughs> like now that I think about it, I'm like, why wasn't everyone having sex with data? <laughs> like. <laughs> I would, I would, I would enjoy that, but uh, there's vision. Yeah. Um, we should talk about Agatha, Agatha though, because that was I like in a brilliant transition away from this sort of like okay, let's do these meta parodies, um, of episode to episode. I thought the transition from these archetypal parodies to just sort of a more present day story. Um, and a more present day grounded story. I thought Agatha was a brilliant vehicle for that. Oh, yeah. And that was just oh, yeah. like, thank you, Catherine Hahn. Again, can do no wrong. It, it, it was really great as somebody who covers a lot of more artsy fartsy movies to see Catherine Hahn uh, get 
finally get her due in like a big major way. It was Agatha all along. I mean, and you can, <laughs> you know what I what I also love about it is like I I mean I wasn't doing a ton of of theorize. I mean, part of what was really great about uh, covering the Mandalorian week to week was uh, I really didn't need to do that because it was just you know the self contained action episodes a lot. You only really had to think about who the uh, Jedi that was gonna pop up at the end was, but I wasn't really like thinking like is is I mean a lot of people a lot of people put together that Agnes was Agatha Harkness, uh, but she's not really that kind of character in the comics. So it did manage to take a lot of people by surprise, and I thought it was it was just great. We don't we don't see women uh, like Catherine Hahn in in those kind of positions no. a lot, and and she just smashed it out of the park with that. Oh yeah, it was just well, and also it's so neat, and I think just the MCU and Disney they're just really really good at planting Easter eggs and telling you a complete tale from start to finish. You can I really thought it was brilliant that it was just a brilliant kind of misdirect to have her be a very sympathetic character. And sort of be the person who is be the person who's like scared and who is kind of Vision's initial signal that something isn't right, right. And like she, like they just executed that so so flawlessly and left room for this phenomenal twist. That's like, oh, not only is she not only is she an asshole, she has been driving this the entire time, and that it, it's not just a song that we're putting in here. She's been doing it. Like you can, if you go back, you can see it. Um, I like it when twists are twists are laid with that level of skill and subtlety. Yeah, she twisted. She twisted. The people have been calling Pietro Pietro, which uh, <laughs> uh, upsets me. But <laughs> she did a great job. Um, I, I am a long, long time defender and apologist for the first two Thor movies. Obviously, Ragnarok is better, but uh, Thor: The Dark World is still fun. fun because you have Kat Dennings, who is so fun, uh, and she has a lot of sitcom experience from Two Broke Girls. So yep. uh, sh- she brought a very like needed level of uh, sort of levity to a lot of those scenes. I mean, you also have you also have uh, Randall Park and... Uh, yeah, Randall Park was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, and I mean, that was really cool. What was also weird was how uh, so many people were talking about how, oh, this show's going to set up Doctor Strange really well. I think it probably did a better job setting up Captain Marvel too with uh, Tana yeah. Paris as uh, Monica Rambo, who made me care. I I, I I was I really didn't love the Captain Marvel movie, and I'm excited a lot. For, I like Brie Larson, but I I thought the narrative was just kind of flat, and uh, I it was really... a little too uh, contrived towards the end. Like it was really building up towards that confrontation between there were just wasn't there weren't any surprises. It was incredibly predictable, and it felt like it was very much building up to that confrontation between her and Annette Benning. They start playing Nirvana, and she's like, "My name is Carol," and that was really dope. And I'm not mad at it, but it this it wasn't um, it wasn't there just weren't any surprises. It wasn't terrifically compelling beyond kind of what you expect, I guess. Yeah, and, and to see Monica come back from the blip, they Oh, that was you know, dope. Her, her mother dies of cancer. She's, you know, she she was originally stuck in uh Wanda's trap and then she's like trying to get back in. I would run like hell away. I mean, first of all, it's in New Jersey. Like don't go near there <laughs> anyway, anyway. And you know what? Maybe maybe Vision didn't deserve to come back because uh I assume they're probably I mean, 
it's always kind of unclear who the like non already automatic billionaires superheroes like some it's, it can be kind of contrived in comic book storytelling. We're like, oh, I need money. Why don't you just call Tony Stark and ask for some money? Um, mm-hmm. They they buy a piece of land in New Jersey. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? It, it wasn't even a house. It was a, a vacant lot. Like that was really get. weird. Like I I wonder if he I wonder if it was just some kind of um, I wonder if he was just referencing her love of sitcoms and was like here's a here's an idyllic little town the closest thing I can manage to that. Have you um I just something popped up in my Twitter feed that I'd shared this um <laughs> it's this uh it's four photos of some reminders from the WandaVision ladies and there's a photo of Wanda and it says your feelings matter and it's a picture of her from the 70s and there's one of Monica and it says it's okay to ask for help and then there's one of Agnes and it says murder is okay and then it closes with Kat Dennings and you are not a burden huh. yeah Sorry. I mean tough, I- tough to tough to convey over audio but you guys should put should find that meme it's really well good. link to like alexandra on twitter uh you can you can check that out people like reading we give uh we've given academic papers as reading material for some we had a professor on to talk about game of thrones and actually we haven't we haven't done this joke in a long time like in a really long time but fuck sir jorah uh, he's awful <laughs> I, I haven't done that in forever. He, tries real- he died he died he got what was coming to him I don't think you were on the episode when he died. Johnny Johnny Kolosinski was on. I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy when he died on that. And we had we had Johnny. We we've had Alexander. If you listen to our Pond Far episode, uh, Johnny and all of the, the the all the great doctors from the Hi Everybody uh, Bad Medicine podcast team, uh, ah. they came on basically because I know Alexandra. She put me in touch with Johnny. So uh, yeah, yeah. Alexandra, thanks for that. Um, I am happy so happy to help. Happy to connect anyone. With small, uh, small, small world in the podcast cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with 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 all of the, I think all of the women in this this show really did uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff. And I mean, especially like in the early episode where where Vision is, they, he's got his workplace hijinks, and there's the security, like they're doing the town watch thing, and he's got the gags about the the gum and stuff. And I was thinking like. Isn't this weird? Because is the show from Vision's perspective? Is it from uh, Wanda's perspective? And as the show progressed, like I, I just, I really didn't care about. Like I didn't really care about the answers to that. I was just kind of happy to see these characters doing fun scenes with, you know, working, working off of kind of whatever dynamics they were able to build. Yeah, it um that's a thing. Like it just it worked on so many levels. Anytime I found myself raising my eyebrow at something, Catherine Hodd would make a joke or Elizabeth Olsen would look sad or like I would just notice a guy and like like that's a really good Malcolm in the middle joke. Like nailed it. It's <laughs> I mean, I I was just surprised they were able to find writers who could execute those sitcoms as well as they could. Like that to me is that to me was kind of the first sort of Marvel thing of it where it was just I was like I I didn't know people were still around who could write those shows. Just sort of naive to say, but well, it's true. I mean, the 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 truly great. We're we're well past the era of the four camera uh, sitcom with the laugh track and thank uh, goodness. I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I. We've watched a lot of Seinfeld recently. It is hard to beat that. It's just pretty, still pretty fucking funny. Um, it's, yeah, I, I say that with a little bit of... I, do, I tend to think that it's... I like to see adaptation and evolution in format. And uh, multicam sitcoms, I think part of the reason they stick around so long is that they are uh, save you a lot of time. 
when you have no hugging, chemist. no hugging, no learning. That was the Seinfeld rule, and that's why Curb is Curb has worked for so many years. Uh, you get an asshole. I mean, if if you want to be like a firm believer in the idea that like people don't really change all that much, sitcoms have a lot to offer. However, WandaVision, I mean, did Wanda? Wanda, I, I guess she did really grow a lot over the course of the series, but it's funny how she's essentially kind of left... It was weird. It was weird kind of down the stretch how much the last episode kind of painted it as like a coming-of-age moment for a character who was already strong as shit to begin with. Yeah, I kind of wish it had been a little bit more just... um. I, I wish it had kind of turned it around on her grief and just kind of showed her like going to a place where she could sit and be sad and sit and be with her sadness and just sit and actually begin a grieving process. I would have been really, I thought it would have been really cool if she would have done that in full costume. Like that would have been cool too. But I, it seemed like she walked away a little bit too it was almost a little bit too happy of an ending i think especially knowing that there is like visions fully back right like white vision has all the memories and it's just a matter of time before they like reconnect well like you know he was able to kind of zap he zapped uh darcy and he zapped agatha uh can he just kind of like you know self-flatulate and you know just kind of zap himself like that and kind of go back well no but is it white it's the like but the white vision guy like that guy's yeah. a hard copy. Like he's he's off somewhere, right? Like he's yeah, he's alive he's and bopping still... around. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I imagine I mean, this is the uh, anchoring all of this is the fact that comic book characters. I mean, ha- half my weekly pull list is X Men, and they're doing Krakoa. They're not even pretending that death means anything anymore. They just bring <laughs> them back <laughs> I- instantly. Uh, I I. I you know what you brought up Watchmen earlier the the closing one of the closing panels where uh right before Dr. Manhattan's about to leave Antarctica and he's like nothing ever ends Adrian nothing ever ends I mean I'd say that probably twice a week uh so I mean that yeah and before I forget you you had brought up the the costume one thing that people have kind of brought up is it would have been like really kind of cool if uh they had done a final battle that was just kind of Wanda, Wanda battling, not, not in a costume like that, but in uh, sweats and, uh, you know, as cool as that costume was, uh, I did also read that Elizabeth Olsen has a no corsets rider in her contracts. Good for you, Elizabeth Olsen. Well, there's no way that costume didn't, uh, maybe they were using Spanx. I don't know, but, uh, uh, People have kind of noted would it was kind of weird that you know for all the kind of girl power that was uh, in that episode, it would have been kind of cool instead of like making an uncomfortable costume if she had just fought Agatha in her sweats. I kind of would I would have been into it. The costume that she eventually gets up with, I was like, well, we don't have any investment in this costume, and it does kind of look like she is an action figure from Shira, like she's a cross between. <laughs> Katra and Xena. I'm not mad at it, but it did sort of come in from left field and it would have been I would have enjoyed I would have enjoyed a sweat fight. I could just because Agatha had kind of a like a derpy costume as well. Again, not mad at it. Like I would cosplay the shit out of that. Um and I don't cosplay. The makeup was weird too. Like she did kind of look like 
it was almost kind of like drag esque. That's not really a bad thing, but uh, I it didn't really. I don't know. I just I it, it was it was weird. I would have you know if she'd done the fight in the eighties. I thought the Halloween Wanda costume was was better, and I don't say that for Vision because he he looked. I mean, one of my favorite memes like come out of this. They show the Wanda and Vision in the eighties costume, and they make like a joke, like the polyamorous couple who like comes up. Can we buy you a drink? <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, as a trend, I've I definitely seen that one before. Uh, yeah, that uh, I really liked her her costume with that. I mean, the Halloween episode was really fun too, because that was probably well, Evan Peters got some room to roll as like the sort of crazy uncle in the next episode, but I thought that was probably his best episode, the Halloween one. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. I really, I actually, that was one of my favorite episodes because it made for such a, it was such a neat evolution into okay, like we're gonna go from the artifice that's still pretty inherent in sitcoms moving through the eighties until you get to the nineties when we achieved this really wonderful balance between comedy and, you know, humanity and resonance between that sort of level of absurdism, absurdity in a sitcom, but then also to people, you know, to close-ups and people having real pain and trauma that wasn't full house and formulaic and scored and stuff like that. It just, it worked. Yeah. You have, you have Wanda talking to the camera and you can just kind of see her tearing at the seams of like, should, you know, do I keep, and this is already after she's uh, left Westview because the sword people are screwing with her. And uh, it was cool to see sword too. They, there's a sword book currently going that's basically all X Men related, and it's in space. And then they said sword, and I'm like, wait a second, I have that book. Uh, <laughs> Al, Al, Al Ewing's doing it; it's pretty good. Um, it's not selling well, apparently. Um, so you should oh, buy no. it if you like it. <laughs> this is what happens when you hang out at comic book stores too much. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was interesting, like that dynamic of you know. It, the show did a really good job too. Of we have the three Sakana episodes, then we have the episode that's basically, uh, you know, that's that's basically all sword related, all Monica Rimbo. That's when uh, Darcy makes her come back. Then they do three more sitcom episodes, and then it's the, um, you know, the more flashback oriented one, and then they wrapped it up. So for them to leave the sitcom format and then go back to it and have that still work was definitely very powerful. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, uh, well, you talked about which episode, you said which episode was your favorite. I'm thinking about which one was my favorite. I, you know, I, I was going to be upset if we didn't get Evan Peters, uh, Quicksilver and we got him. I am kind of annoyed that it's this Ralph Boner crap. Uh, speaking of growing pains, there was a character <laughs> on that name, named Boner. I heard maybe... Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe they just like making dick jokes. I don't know. It for those like for those two weeks that we thought that the X Men were really kind of gonna join the universe. That was that was really fun. X Men are my all time favorite comics. Not Hard time. I was re- I really was hoping that like somehow through some sort of like weird AU AU magic bullshit that that was actually Quicksilver. I was like, oh, this is this is a universe blend I can get behind. Like, or you could just or you could just recast him and not say anything. That'd be fine too. Then they had to go and ruin it. They <sighs> did. I mean, it's this is something that it it matters that we're talking about this now ahead of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange because if they they're going to pivot to the multiverse and it's like, well, why wh- what was the fake out if you're just going to go do it anyway? Why do we have to have fake Pi- Pietro? I, I think it's probably pretty damn unlikely that we don't see 
I mean, Hugh, Hugh Jackman looks, he still looks great. I think we probably still see his Logan back at some point. Yeah, I would not be surprised if we did, if only because he just seems to, like, he's just such a good time, Charlie. Like, you know, like, at the end, of, like, I think he said at some point that he was done with Logan after Logan, but I could totally see him just, like, getting in a room and somebody handing him a script and he'd be like, oh, all right, I guess I will. It's really fun. Like, he just seems to do this with such joy. That, how well, could you turn that down? Well, especially for Hugh Jackman, he had a stretch where between the Wolverine and Days of Future Past and Logan and his weird sort of pointless cameo in Apocalypse, uh, he he had that was a that dope. That was a dope cameo. It Stop was that. yeah. It was it was okay. Was um, it, maybe I'm talking about Days of Future Past when they recruit him. Uh, that was in. The, you're thinking of uh, First Class when he says "fuck off." He's yes. The only one who swears and yeah. That. So uh, they do kind of like a Weapon X thing with. Uh, William Stryker in Apocalypse that just kind of seemed designed to, to get him in there, but uh, he he had the, he had that diet of like twelve chicken breasts a day for like three years. Obviously, who wouldn't want off that? But like we're, we're in an age we're in an age now where blockbusters are pretty much all superhero oriented. So I have to imagine he's gonna miss miss doing that at some point in his life. Yeah, or, yeah. Or he'll just go do a Broadway musical because he's a perfect human who is perfect. We don't have so Broadway musicals. We don't have Broadway musicals anymore. Um, <gasps> they got, they again. got, they got blipped away, snapped away. The blips were really uh, Boy, in yeah. terms of like all this apocalyptic content over the past decade, the coronavirus really did say, "Oh, oh, you want that? Okay, let me sh- let me show you what it's really about." Walking Dead Endgame fans, snappity snap, snap, snap. Yeah, I seriously, I used to have my own office. Now I have to share it with my partner who never leaves the house anymore. It's horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, WandaVision, anyway, for those who are just joining us. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, it, as a show, it, it worked It, it worked so well because you just you, you sat down and you didn't necessarily know what you were going to get. And they were able to kind of tie it into the broader MCU through the sword people. I think the one regard that it didn't necessarily completely live up to. So when, when, when the Disney plus sort of prestige shows and it did, and it didn't live up to this uh, a little bit. I don't know how much, how totally fair this is, but uh, when they were hyping the Disney Plus shows and Marvel Television, they 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 or Marvel Studios, not Marvel Television, they were hyping like, okay, I know we said that everything's connected, but these these are major timeline connected now, and we're gonna show you movie characters and all of that, and they did with the fact that that Scarlet Witch and Vision were in it, but at the same time, the other characters. I mean, like, if you compare it, like, Nick Fury was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was only on it twice, but, like, Lady Sif was on that. Like, to have the only supplemental characters be, like, we haven't seen Monica Rambeau before, so she doesn't... I mean, we saw her as a young child in Captain Marvel. We didn't see the actress. Uh, And then, you know, we get get Randall Park and Kat Dennings. Like, that... They, they, it's not like they. It's not like Tony Stark made a cameo in this. I guess is my point. We. It's not like we truly saw another big. Ca- we didn't even. Say, I was pretty convinced we were going to see uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and then we didn't. Oh, I was fine with. I was kind of fine with that. I was okay. I don't know that I need to see Benedict Cumberbatch outside of Doctor Strange. I keep. I like rewatching Endgame, but my least favorite part of that final battle scene is when Tony looks at Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange with more melodrama than any soap opera has ever seen holds up one single finger and it just takes me out of it the entire every time 
Well, it's funny you mention that because, like, really the one point of Infinity War that doesn't work is when they're on Titan and Tony's talking to Doctor Strange, and it is so obvious they're not in the same, they're not on the same set. And I, he, he, Benedict Cumberbatch was uh, filming something else, so like that, that's pretty well known. But like, I was sitting there like thinking, like, this, this movie costs how much, and and this is this is what you turned out with, like, so yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's um that's something that I really push for. We produce a couple of fiction podcasts or are right now, and it's something that I've pushed for since the beginning, which has been met with a little bit of resistance because the attraction of producing podcasts is that they're cheap compared to, say, you know, getting a pilot greenlit or something like that. So um one of the reasons they can be cheap and timely is that if you do it like you would do traditional voiceover on an animation, you could just, you know, send people scripts, have them do it in their leisure, cut it together in post, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, you got a thing. Um, but you have an animatic to cover that up and to fill in parts of the relationship that the actors did not form like when they are working off of each other. And so that really works. We've seen it work in many, many capacities. It does not work if you do not have a visual element. It definitely sounds like people are on two separate planets and it just is really stale. And I think that that, even if you are... I think the same thing sort of applies to um, live action or even, you know, live action light stuff like the MCU. Like you kind of, these people know each other. We know that they know each other. We are very familiar with them. We can tell after 18 freaking movies who is talking to somebody in the same room and who is talking to somebody who's actually working off of them and feeding off of them. And ugh, yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah, that uh, we did a wet hot American summer rewatch earlier in the pen. The Netflix shows. Well, I watch the movie every year, but um, that that it's very apparent how how frequently they're not in the same. Not not, uh, well, they're outside, but they're just not in this. Not if if you don't see people's both faces talking to each other in the same shot, it's pretty much a surefire bet that it's been spliced together. Um, as as we hit the kind of home stretch of the podcast, there was one thing I I want to talk about that that we haven't gotten to yet, and that's another red herring in the show. Longtime Buffy fans, I know Joss Whedon is is really not the uh, flavor of the. Well, he hasn't been the flavor of the month for a while, but uh, Emma Caulfield, who was so great as uh. Anya on on Buffy, uh, she had uh, she was a, a big red herring for this show. We we thought that we thought that that uh, her character Dottie was going to be something more that was really hinted in the second episode. And then uh, that that didn't happen. I was just glad to see um, Emma on something as high profile as this, with which with um, as big a part as this, because despite how despite how you know sort of despite how how petite it was, it was still pretty um, it was still pretty pivotal. She's really the first person we see break with this. She's the first indication we have that something is wrong in a in a big way. And she's so good. Um, <laughs> I was, it was, um, but I could see why that would be a little bit, if you are a huge Buffy fan and you were expecting a little bit more from that, I can see why that would be a little bit disappointing, especially considering, you know, she isn't like, she isn't a demon and she doesn't seem to be endowed with any other powers. So I don't think we're going to see much more of her after this. Do you think we need a spinoff where the, the victims of Westview sort of have to cope with the fact that they were, um, I mean, this is it. It's not too dissimilar from I, there. There were a lot of other things to complain about with uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which I mean, I I really hated that movie. But um, the the whole the whole concept, <laughs> oh man, the, should have lowered your expectations. They should have been on the floor. I thought it was great because I didn't. I was not invested. I I I mean I 
I, I read a fuck ton of DC, but not so much. Uh, I don't. Not not a ton of one. I'm more Batman, The Flash, and uh, some of that other stuff. But um, yeah, I, I just didn't like it. But the con- the whole consent thing about the the guy that Steve Trevor's body was uh, in. I mean, it's kind of good that we're thinking about this kind of stuff. She kind of she kind of like abused abused all of those uh, people. I, I I it sounds like I'm a horrible person for saying it. Maybe I am a horrible person, but like I'm very used to comic books like seeing like the city that's like completely wrecked or or just with Batman like how many people have died cuz that fucker just won't bite the bullet and kill the Joker. Like <laughs> I, I I guess like I guess I guess I, I guess I'm just kind of used to there being casualties, a human uh, untold human cost to all of this stuff. I I can't be bothered to care yeah it's a comic book it's not a documentary i do not necessarily feel like i like you're this is again like this is mythology this is supposed to dealing this stuff is supposed to deal in very broad strokes with big ideas with big stakes it's and it's supposed to it's not supposed to get granular it is supposed to just be kind of a very broad allegory for you know just how we live our life day to day a little bit it's like so no i don't want to see all the people who died in new york and the battle of new york and all the property damage like no i could there's plenty of that in the real world there what there isn't in the real world are heroes saving the day and solving all of my problems and i need that every once in a while and i would not i don't really need all of the fallout afterwards though that said it does make for it does often make for good cinema if it's used sparingly so we shouldn't we cancel culture shouldn't come for uh wanda maximoff i would prefer it if it didn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i I agree It, it made for i mean with the end credit scene in the final episode, when when they showed her in the woods, I'm like, shit, that looks like like the Canadian mountains. Are they gonna? Is is, is Wolverine gonna cameo? And it's like, no, dope. I mean, some, well, some people have drawn parallels saying like it was kind of like the Dexter finale. Wanda's like a lumberjack now, basically meditating off doing Doctor Strange shit. Oh, I think I'm I might have missed those... miss this scene. I thought I watched to the end. Oh, there were two end credits. Ah, there were, there were, there were end... for days. There were end credit scenes in two other of the episodes, which I had I had to like go back and say, oh shit, I I didn't see those. Yeah, that's uh, you know what? In the streaming era, we really shouldn't be forced to put up with that. I I am anti end credits as somebody who you hold your you hold your bladder in the movie theater. Remember, remember movie theaters? Um, you hold them in you hold your bladder for that long. You need to pee. Like, who wants to watch the credits of that crap? Yeah, it's yeah, I'm. Mm. It's also like not a surprise anymore. So now I'm just like, okay, well now I just have to sit through. Uh, it's nice to sit through like more credits to see these extra scenes that were not put in the original series. Okay, guys, I am emotionally finished with this episode. Uh. <laughs> I will say the Spider-Man Far From Home end credits. You have J.K. Simmons basically playing Alex Jones. J. Jonah Jameson was uh, that was unbelievable. J.K. Simmons in anything, I'm not. I'm not mad at it. I would love to get him on this podcast. Talk about his Oz days. I loved, 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 loved J.K. Simmons. Uh, I was. I didn't. I never watched Oz, which is not to say that I won't at some point. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, But I know J.K. Simmons from the Mexican. Which, which I feel like I am ten people. I am one of ten people who are massive, massive fans of that movie, and he is delightful in it. 
yeah, he's uh, we definitely need to see him in in future Spider Mans, and I think. <sighs> I think as as sort of we 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 wrap up with our time in in Westview and WandaVision, I think that so much of so much of uh, the MCU is kind of centered on oh what's next what's you know what what's what's coming up how does this connect how does this build toward you know the next Avengers crossover we mm-hmm. have no idea there's probably not gonna be an Avengers crossover there's probably not gonna be another Avengers for a while there's gonna be a lot of content before that comes. Do you think so, that they're ever going to um, surpass the peak that was uh, Infinity War and Endgame? Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, yes, because I I, I don't I, I as, as as somebody who's covered TV for like a really long time, like ten, five or I don't know how many years ago, when people were like, "Oh, golden age of television." Blah blah blah. It's like you know, people that live in the present are, are general. I mean, pre coronavirus, people in the present are, are are generally inclined to believe that the era they're living in is the best era, and all of that. So, good point. I think that, yeah. Well, I guess from I think, our perspective, I wonder if it would be. Di- I feel like it's pretty impossible for them to create what they created and make the imprint they they did twice. So I don't know that they're going to achieve that same payoff again. But that's a good point. I, I I'll think, be interested to see like how. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like Star Trek um, in terms of just sort of like how different generations are uh, different generations are receiving new like are receiving this latest batch of Trek. And like that, it's so interesting because there's just such a wide range of generational Star Trek fans like there's from TOS all the way down to like brand new like kids who are watching disco. And it's just like so many different types, so many different points of view. A whole new world. That's <laughs> that should be the theme song for the for, for Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And it's just Captain, Captain Pike and and Spock on the on the Enterprise, like singing together as they fly off into the sunset, like into an actual sun. So that's that's you know the pilot or something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Ensign Mount. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really good. Uh, like I, we watch a lot of movies on Criterion, and I look at like people like Cary Grant or or Paul Newman or Humphrey Bogart, and I'm like, yeah, you know, we're not gonna have men like that on the screen again. And then you've got Paul Bettany, Michael Fassbender, Anthony mm-hmm. uh, a good looking dude. Uh, that that all works. Um, yeah. So I, I I think I think I think we I would not rule out an Avengers level TV show at some point in the future. I I think it's possible. I I don't know if it's likely. Those kind of studios tend to want to top themselves, and Infinity War was huge and all of that. They're going to be dealing with a much bigger roster, and not only that, with contracts and all all of that kind of stuff, they're in a much better position to prepare. They're going to have these people locked down for contracts, and they're not going to have to pay like a Robert Downey Jr. sixty five million to like do. I don't, I'm not sure if that number is even accurate, but some some silly amount of money. Um, I kind of hope I hope he stays dead like not because I don't love Robert Downey Jr. and not that I because I don't love Tony Stark but uh, you gotta I don't love I don't love Tony Stark (laughs) I mean I I mean I enjoy I enjoyed his I enjoy him within these movies a whole lot and I like the fact that he's kind of sort of the the driving consistent force from the beginning and then closed it out and died like that I thought was as po- about as poetic as this series could get as the franchise could get and I like please don't walk it back I don't care how many people ask for it just like let something be final Yeah let the past die kill it if you have to Kylo Ren 
uh, <laughs> great, 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 great philosopher. Anyway, we're we're totally we we've gone off topic a couple times. That's a podcast. That's what podcasts are for. That's the idea. You, you don't have to. You think the episode runtimes were good? That's another. Yeah, I liked the fact that um, they were playing uh, with variable variable lengths. Um, yes, that's something. That's yeah, like we're producing stuff for Audible, and um, one of the things that's fun is that we're a. I mean, just being on a streamer, we're not beholden to ad breaks and having to structure around that. Um, but B, like just Audible in and of itself, like a lot of like. I would say like other because it's a because it's a book because it's an audio book platform and chapter lengths in books are not regulated at all like you can have a two page chapter you can have an 18 page chapter in the same book doesn't matter um they're used to um divisions that are less um uh less structured or less formal and so I've been telling like it's fun to be rigid. able to tell writers yeah, yeah let's thank you less rigid um it's been fun to be able to tell writers um like, hey, if you if you see a, if you see an opening, like we like to stay between twenty to thirty minutes in terms of fiction. But I'm like, if you see an opening for a ten minute episode, and you think that's going to have impact by all fucking means. Like, do it. I I love I love that because that wakes that wakes up somebody's perception if they're binging this, and all of a sudden there's a quick episode. Like, all of a sudden you're like, wait, why? What is that? It makes you pay attention. Yeah, as somebody, I just, my latest manuscript is a high school-based one, and I realized if I'm going to cover, like, nine months of a year, some chapters will be very quick, and you just got to try to cover as much ground as possible, so I can definitely relate. And I like how the episode times were, uh, they felt they felt like they were as long as they need to be. Like, a very sitcom-heavy episode, you don't want to drag that past 20 minutes, because if you're going to play on people's expectations and all of that, this stuff has a rhythm. If you watch the really early episodes of Cheers, like Coach's comedic rhythm is so perfect. Bob Newhart has a really great comedic rhythm. You, if you start, you know, adding a couple scenes into that, you're really screwing. You screw the with the whole rhythm. So I, I think that worked, and they were able to, you know, deliver deliver something that. I mean, you don't need you don't need you don't need to have these like Netflix, a lot of Netflix shows are way too long in episodes you don't need an hour and 10 minute episode yeah you do it, need an hour and 10 minute podcast episode though yeah i like i'm, I'm kind of <laughs> i'm kind of episode length agnostic to be honest like i've listened to podcast episodes that were like two and a half hours long and i just kind of chew on it like as i drive around la like like for commutes it's like okay i will like i don't need an episode a commute i kind of just like to especially when it comes to chat like this like i could this is like more or less like just kind of background noise in a, in a really good way um it's and funny you mention like, that. Yeah, we've we've gotten complaints about the festival format. That's only we tw- you have to do twenty minutes with that. You can't really get them for much more. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, totally different story. Yeah, but people are like, this isn't long enough. Like, why am I even bothering? I'm like, geez. I mean that that actually has kind of influenced uh, some of our coverage. I don't want to talk about because. Uh, don't want to bad mouth people who invite you to cover things but uh yeah we've Ooh, it's tempting though isn't it real tempting oh yeah well well uh <laughs> we've had a couple when we've gotten into this kind of length on some i've i've let pull peel back the curtain on some publicist related crap <laughs> we 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 won't do that here though we uh we've we've i think we've covered westview a lot i think we got to absolutely everything i wanted to get awesome to. um that's good because my recording just stopped my quick time for some reason um but it's it's got a an hour 18 Perfect. minutes of content so i think you're pretty safe for it being a safety um well 
Awesome. Um, closing thoughts um, on WandaVision? I would say my personal experience with grief has never been represented as well as on this show. Uh, well, that that's, that's a really powerful uh, testament to... And you know what? People say, oh, it's just like a comic book mo- movie and stuff. Comic book, comic books matter. I, I, when I'm feeling like down, I pick up a comic book. I feel better. This stuff, this stuff really matters. Does. Anytime, anytime you can be moved, anytime you can be moved by uh, art, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, that's really powerful. And uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted more vision. I got more vision. I was very satisfied. Elizabeth Olsen killed it. Cast killed it. Yeah, they, uh, they did a really great job, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed having Absolutely you back. Absolutely same. Should, yes, uh, please. Yes, please. Um, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, WandaVision, uh, WandaVision may be over, but I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is starting pretty soon. So that show looks fun. hilarious. Uh, I am excited. Thank you so much. To make fun of Bucky. I do. You know, Sebastian, Sebastian, yeah, Bucky's, Bucky's really grimy. And so, I mean, I, 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 Sam Wilson, I like his Captain America run is really fun. Uh, yeah, really excited. Uh, really excited to see how they both do that. And they work really well together. So that'll be great. And, uh, WandaVision, awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for bearing with this. Uh, uh, what is one of our longer ones? It's really long? good. It's Listen to the whole thing. <laughs> Yes, listen. Advertisement to listen to the whole thing at the yep. end of the episode. Perfect, we got it. We want, we want <laughs> podcasting. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.